Hey, thanks for joining us here at Broad River Church. For video messages and content, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow our Facebook page. Find us at broadriver.church. This is a great way to stay connected throughout your week, no matter where you are. Right now, let's go to our lead pastor, Kevin Mullins, for this week's message. everybody. So good to see you. I hope that you are happy to be sitting in the area where other people are sitting. So I want you to let them know how happy you are to see them. I want you to turn to your left and right, maybe behind you and give a little wave and let people know that you are glad to be sitting, sitting close to them. I'd like to invite you to scripture this morning, specifically Luke chapter one. We're going to be reading in Luke chapter one in just a few minutes. If you'd like to use the Bibles we provided, um, you can find today's reading at page 855. Um, also feel free to use your device if you like to pull up your Bible on your device or maybe you have your own Bible with you. My name is Kevin along with my wife Jacinta. We are lead pastors here. We're so glad that you've uh, joined us today. Um, we want to welcome both those that are joining us in our digital experience but also we have guests in the room today. Let's give them a really nice Broad River welcome this morning. We're really glad that you are here. Thanks for joining us. If you're joining us online, you are here with us, and so we are so glad that you've made that decision as well. Today is Legacy Sunday and Communion Sunday both. So Legacy Sunday just means that we will be receiving at the end of my message today, right at the end of my message, our legacy offering before we receive communion together. Um, our ushers are gonna be coming and passing buckets. We haven't done that for a while. As we receive this one special offering that we receive each year, you know that we don't take special offerings um, on uh, week by week, but we do receive a legacy offering, and 100% of this offering goes to mission that happens outside of our walls here. I've already mentioned four of our partners already um, in Christian Fellowship in Southeast India. Um, I mentioned um, an elementary school in Morazan, uh, Honduras, Haifa Baptist Church in Haifa, Israel, and our first missionaries that are going to the Middle East, hopefully as early as February next year. We call them K and Z. And by the way, we're not mentioning their full names and the exact location in, in the Middle East because the work that they are doing there uh, could become dangerous for them if it were known why they were there. So that's the reason uh, for some caution there. Um, they could be dangerous for them. And so th some of you had wondered and asked. So that's why for the, the caution there. So that's four of our, uh, of our partners. And then finally, our final partner that receives a portion of this offering is actually ourselves, Broad River Church, specifically in that a portion of of what is received this year will go to helping people in physical need in Fairfield County. Uh, this year was our second annual uh, Love Week that is focused on just serving Norwalk in as many ways as we could. We're gonna continue to grow Love Week this coming year. But in, in addition, our church often has opportunities to know of people in significant needs in various ways, and we are privileged to walk beside people and help them as we can. We don't talk a lot 
lot about this, but I want to mention it on this Sunday. In 2020, for instance, I don't have final numbers for this year, but in 2020, for instance, over $30,000 worth of help left our church directly to people in our community. Now, that's a big number for a church with our budget, but and it's also well more than we received in last year's legacy offering, but we're hoping to do even more this year, and that will be the final portion of this year's offering, which we, again, we will receive in just a few minutes. How many of you are looking forward to Baptism Sunday next week? Amen. Uh, me too. If you haven't been baptized, as Miguel said, next Sunday is for you. Today is week two of a series called Good News for Christmas. So I said last week there is good news with the lowercase g, lowercase n. What's, what's good news with the lowercase g, lowercase n? That's something like, you know, you save 20% or more on your auto insurance by switching to GEICO, right? It's good news. Uh, but this is good news that doesn't come and go, uppercase g, uppercase n, good news. It's once and for all good news. Why? Because it's good news that happened. It's good news that happens. And it's good news that will happen. There's never been bigger good news than the birth of Jesus Christ. We are looking for a few weeks, including Christmas Eve, at some very personal and relevant stories from the gospel called Luke uh, to help us turn the page into a new year. We started our church year last week, uh, so we've got to jump on everybody else. So if you're here this morning, you're a trendsetter, okay? So let's read from Luke chapter 1. We're going to read verses 26 through 38. We have a tradition in our church of standing for a gospel reading. Let's stand together and just honor God's word. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Lord, it's our desire this morning, regardless of where we've come from, our experiences, maybe some of us have extensive church experience and religious experience. Some of us don't have much at all. And the awesome thing about this moment is that you have a word to speak to each of us. So I pray that our hearts will be receptive as you speak. We pray it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. I want you to turn to somebody close to you as you're being seated and say, I'm turning the page. Come on, tell them, I'm turning the page. Thank you. 
That's good. That's good, guys. <laughs> I think that means again. Okay. All right, do it again. Okay. Once upon a time in a land not so far away, um, it's just like 5,655 miles from here to uh, Bethlehem, and that's really not that far uh, when you can get on a plane and be there on the same day I've been there. It seems like it's far away, but it's not, right? So a long time ago in a place not so far away called Galilee, if you were not married and you became pregnant, things were not going to go well for you. Uh, it, it's not hard for us to imagine 
being unmarried and pregnant today because it's very, very common in our society and, and we try to care for women in this position. That's a good thing, right? But in Galilee, in the ancient Near East, if this is the way that you were, you might be stoned to death once it was discovered. Uh, at the very least, you were going to be charged with the crime of adultery. So I want you to imagine that this is you and when this angel speaks to you and tells you these words, you immediately know the consequences of what you're finding out. So in this moment, who are you going to tell? You, you can't tell your parents because they're not going to support you. It's, it's just going to bring shame on their family if, if they do. You, you can't tell your fiance because if you do, it's going to ruin his reputation if he decides to stand by you. So what are you going to do? You'll tell your friends, no, they're, they're, they're not going to support you for sure. They're going to just join the crowd in judging you. So where do you go for support? Now, we're calling this story good news because it is such good news. But listen, if this is you, if you are Mary, right away, it doesn't sound much like good news. This is exactly where she finds herself. She's got a problem, which we can see stated, the problem in verse 31. We don't think it sounds like a problem, but this is a problem for Mary. Behold, you will conceive, verse 31 says, in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, we don't read it as a problem, but that just means we're not reading it the way that Mary would have experienced it, which makes her response so incredible. Do you notice how accepting she is of this earth-shattering news? Right, we, we have an artist's representation of this moment. I, I, it's a very, very pretty picture. Let's put this picture up here. Now, this picture that's coming up. Now, this is an artist's representation. It's very beautiful. Now, there's a lot that's wrong about this picture, okay? First of all, this Mary looks like she's probably maybe from Sweden. As far as we know, Mary was not from Sweden, okay? So, but you can kind of overlook that a little bit. It's a very pretty picture. This moment is meant to represent something that's called in church history, the Annunciation. This word annunciation just means announcement. This is a very, very big announcement. And it's good news for us when we read it, but it is earth shattering news for the person on the right there, for Mary. It changes everything for her. I hope that when you read the Bible that you'll slow down enough to know how remarkable these stories are, right? How full of wonder they are. Right here we have an example of something that I've been able to see as a pastor in people who follow Jesus all the time. There is this ability that Jesus followers have as they mature in their following, especially to receive what seems like earth shattering news with calmness. This is not a small thing. Mary doesn't freak out in this moment. She's accepting. That's not necessarily the sermon today, but maybe it is for you. Today, we've, we've got good news being delivered to Mary and her fiance named Joseph. Now, these are important people. Biological and functional parents to the Son of God. Back in the day, I haven't seen them much lately, but maybe they still exist. Back in the day, uh, people used to put bumper stickers on the back of their cars to, to brag about their kids. Did you ever see these? Like, my child is an honor student at Ponus Middle School, right? Or, or what would it say? You know, that's a, that's a nice thing. Or it might, it might say, um, I'm the proud parent of a U.S. Marine, something to be proud of. I was wondering this week if, if Joseph might have wanted to put a plaque on the back of his donkey that said, you know, my son 
John is the creator of the world and savior of the universe, right? That, that'd be a good one. I would have one on my donkey, right? But I noticed three things about these two people that really identify them. Mary and Joseph are right in the middle of this good news of great joy for all the people. Remember, that's what the angel said about the birth of Jesus. We saw this last week. It's good news of great joy for all the people. So why was the birth of Jesus good news of great joy? How was it for all the people? And if you are part of all the people, how is this good news relevant for your life right now? Mary and Joseph, I believe, help us answer these questions. The first thing I want you to see about Jesus's earthly mother and father is that they both had a strong faith. Now, I don't wanna skip past the obvious this morning because sometimes I think when we say people have strong faith, we kind of have something in mind, something kind of, it's kind of spooky, right? They have great faith, right? They have strong faith, like they're floating around on a cloud or something, right? And I just want to know, you to know, when I say they had strong faith, I just want you to see how they demonstrated their strong faith by their obedience to the will of God. And watch this, by their willingness to suffer in the world as a result of their obedience. If you get this, you'll get something big this morning. There's nothing spooky about Mary's obedience. Check out, check out Mary. The angel says to her, Mary, you got to get this. Mary, you're a virgin right now, you're going, but you're going to have a child. And then we just move on to the next verse. But I have to, I have to assume that Mary's like, wait, 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 wait. Let's go back to the part where you said I was going to have a child right after you said I was a virgin. Look, look at this, how, this is how she said, I'm translating, verse 34, Mary said to the angel, a really good question, how will this be since I am a virgin? Yes, oh, I'm sorry, the angel, Gabriel, you gotta imagine. I, I'm sorry, Mary, I, you know what, I skipped ahead, you're right. Now, let me put your mind at ease. I can see how that could be confusing to you. Let me clarify, the reason that you'll have a baby, even though you're a virgin, is that you're gonna be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. Oh, you know, thanks for clearing that up. Right, read the, read the Bible like it's written, right? There's, there's nothing spooky about Mary's faith here. There's nothing in her response that's like, you know, her kind of levitating and spinning around and, and chanting Gregorian chants or something like Her great faith is seen in her response in verse 38. Just listen to it. Behold, she says, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. The response, there's this calmness in her response. The response doesn't seem to match the drama of the moment. I'd like you to write this down this morning. God gives his people the ability to obey inside of moments. Everybody say inside. Inside of moments where obedience seems impossible. Write that down. Listen, if you, if you don't struggle with the scripture, if you don't wrestle with the scripture, it's not going to have the benefit in your life that it's designed to have. Listen, if you don't struggle with the Christmas story, then you're not taking it seriously. How does this kind of response happen? Where does this deep faith come from? It's really the same with Joseph. We have to jump to Matthew, Matthew's gospel to see Joseph's response. Remember, Joseph, for him to decide to stick by her side, to stay with her, it is going to ruin his reputation, period. There's no two ways about it. So when he finds out that his Mary is going to have a child, even though she's a virgin, he's a, 
and then he finds out she's going to be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. He's a good guy. So look at how he responds. Her husband, Joseph, 19 of chapter 1, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, this might seem harsh to you. I want you to know that this is the very kindest, nicest thing that Joseph could do in this culture. In other words, he says, you know, I'm going to be merciful to her. I'm not going to, I could do this I'm, by law. I could drag her out into the public square and yell adulteress at the top of my, of my lungs and shame her. But I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to quietly end this engagement. This, this, all this doesn't add up. So we're just going to end things as quietly as possible. So the same thing is true for Joseph as it is for Mary. Even though his first inclination is just to be merciful to Mary, but in their engagement, but then an angel shows up and says, hey, Joseph, make Mary your wife anyway because she's having a baby from the Holy Spirit. Joseph has to be thinking, yeah, that's the, that's the part of the story that I'm struggling with, right? The angel said, no, she'll have the baby, name him Jesus because he'll save the people from their sins. Look at how Joseph responds. Verse 24, Joseph woke up from sleep. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took his wife. Have you ever been in an argument, ever had an argument and someone says something and they say something really clever to you and, and you just don't have a good response in the argument, but then later, much later, you think of the really good response. Anybody ever done that, right? When I had a teenager, I would think of the very best parental comeback ever like two hours after the argument was over, right? It happens. It's easy for us to, as we read Joseph's response, it's easy for us to say, well, of course Joseph did what was right. Why do we say that? Because we have the whole story in front of us. Listen, it doesn't take great faith to obey once you know how things are going to turn out. In fact, that's not faith at all. I'm saying this with a, a strong belief this morning that God is calling people in this room to obey what he's asking you to do in the middle of some things. And it's good stuff, by the way. I don't have bad things in mind here. Joseph, though, has the ability to obey inside of a moment where obedience seems Impossible. So Mary and Joseph, first of all, they modeled great faith with their obedience. Here's the second thing I noticed. It's going to seem obvious when I say it, but I really want us to get this as a church. This is a quick one. But the second thing I noticed is that Mary and Joseph were young. I touched on this last week, kind of from the opposite standpoint, but this is something that God is building inside this, the people of this church. So I want to double down. These two were young. Last week I said that the good news is good news no matter what stage of life you're in. Anybody remember that? Uh, I was thinking last week primarily about older people when I said that, and I hope many of you grabbed onto that. But this story of Mary and Joseph, listen, I think it assumes something I don't think everyone agrees with. Now, we say we agree with it with our mouths, but here's the assumption of the verses that we read. The ability to obey God does not depend on your age. I know you know it. I know that we think that we know it. We even say it, but I want you to write it down. I want you to embrace it. Listen, it's an, we need to honor people who have lived for many years. Our culture needs to get better and better about respecting our elders. Our culture needs to learn more about that too. But Mary and Joseph were young and God used them. Our young people, 
Our Broad River students, our Broad River kids, your children, the kids that you teach at school, listen, they are capable of way more than we are inviting them into. I mentioned last week that the older part of our crowd is too, but you shouldn't get through this part of the story without noticing that even though Mary and Joseph were young, they showed this great maturity, which is an example to us today. So they had great faith, which is demonstrated in their obedience. They, they did obey despite how young they were. And then third, something that you need to know to really be able to embrace this story, to really take it seriously, is that Mary and Joseph were poor. They were poor. Now, a lot of people, when they get married, are young, dumb, and broke, right? I was young. There's even a song about that back. There's a, a rap a few years back, young, dumb. I'm not going to do it right now, but I want to. I was young, dumb, and broke when I got married. But there's some details in this story that make it clear. Listen, these two weren't just broke. They were poor. Listen, if Joseph had any money or came from a family with wealth, Jesus would not have been born in a cave. We, we, we say, well, Jesus was born in a cave because there was no room in the end, and that's what the story says. But listen, if you got a bunch of money, guess what happens? All of a sudden, there's room at the end. I don't know if you noticed this is how life works, right? All of a sudden, there's a table that's opened up with your name on it when you've got some money ready to spend, Right? But he doesn't have that. The, the scripture calls Jesus' birthplace a manger. That doesn't sound so bad until you really, really understand. It's the place where animals go to eat. He couldn't provide anything better for his wife to have the baby. There's a second clue about their lack of wealth. That's when, that's when Jesus was born. Mary and Joseph took him to be presented uh, at the temple. And the sacrifice they took to have him dedicated, you can find this in Luke chapter 2, was two turtle doves. Now, if you read the left side of your Bible, there's a very clear prescription on what you take to sacrifice when you dedicate a child. And the correct sacrifice when you go to the temple, does anybody know what it is? It's a lamb. That's the correct sacrifice, but lambs are very expensive. So God made an exception for people who did not have enough to afford a lamb's turtle doves were the sacrifice that people would bring when they were poor. It was all that they could afford. We are knee deep already in this holiday season and there's something going on here about what really is good news and how different it is from our culture's version of good news. I went this week and made a list. I'm up to 13 now. Uh, 13 things that are alternate versions of good news in our world. We're going to get to, I, I, we're not going to get to it today, uh, but, but I want you to see at least one reason why this is good, at new, good news at Christmas. Our Christmas season is almost exclusively a ritual of acquisition. Here's one alternate, it's one of the 13. One alternate version of good news, it's called consumerism. Have you heard of this version of good news? What is consumerism? This is the story of consumerism. I am what I own. And our Christmas today has become just about getting more stuff. If you were to go find 10 random people, I don't know, in Sono on the street and ask them, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think about Christmas? And they were honest with you, getting stuff is what comes to mind. So let me just say something uh, practical here. It's okay if I say something super practical for a minute here. Is that all right? Last year, the average American took on almost $1,400 worth of debt for Christmas. Now, we're not saying wow, but that's a lot. It's the most that we've ever taken on a piece. 
every American on average. Now you're saying, well, I didn't. That's why it's called an average, right? It's an average. I don't know what the difference would be for people inside the church, but I don't have the sense that it's too different. I'm not crusading this morning that we need to put Christ back into Christmas. Of course we need to do that. I'm not up here making sure that you know that when, you're, when your cashier says happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas, that you need to be mean to him or her. That's not what this is about, okay? But, but what I want to do is, is, is give you something to take home before we receive our legacy offering, before we receive a communion. I've been praying this week that when we consider Mary and Joseph and their poverty and the forced simplicity of their lives and how it was God that chose them to raise a son, I think it should give us pause to ask the question, do our spending habits accurately reflect what God shows us through the Christmas story? The story of these people receiving good news. God is inviting all of us. Every single day he invites us. In some seasons, we feel it more aggressively than others. Why? Because the season demands it. And the Christmas season is one that demands that we pay attention to God's invitation of laying down one way of doing things and picking up a completely different way of doing things. That's what stood out to me in this story this week. I was amazed at Mary and Joseph's sacrificial obedience, how God gave them the ability to obey inside of a moment where it seems impossible. I was, I was amazed at their youth, how young they were, but mature enough to be called to really, really big things. I was convicted by how poor they were. They didn't have any of the things that I think need to be in place before I step out and do anything for God. <laughs> All of these things remind me of what the early church leader named Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27. Look at what he says here. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Leave that verse up there for a minute. Why is the birth of Jesus Good news of great joy for all the people. Watch this, because it is for all the people. It's for the elderly and the childless, like Zachariah and Elizabeth. It's for young, poor people like Mary and Joseph. Hear me this morning. There are so many people here who think that you don't have what it takes to be a difference maker for God's kingdom. Or maybe you're a follower of Jesus and you might not use that language. You might say, I don't have what it takes to, to make an impact on my world, to make a difference in my world. And the good news of Jesus is that God uses weak people. Well, I'm not strong enough. Well, good, you're a prime candidate for God to use you. God uses weak people. God uses poor people. Well, pastor, when I get my money right, then I'm really gonna make a difference. There's no need to wait. God uses poor people. God uses non-influencers, non-influential people. Mary and Joseph didn't get picked off of a reality show called, you know, Parents of the Son of God Challenge. No, they, they didn't have anything to offer. He picks non-influencers. God used them to bring entry into this world. And I want you to get this today. By choosing to choose these people, God took this whole system and turned it upside down. The whole world system. What's, what's the story of the world that we live in? What's the story from start to finish? Here's the story from start to finish. It's the strong and the powerful and the rich that win. Did you know that you lived in a world that that's what the story is? 
It's the strong that rule. And God turns that whole system upside down by choosing these kinds of people, by, by choosing these kinds of people. Come on, tap yourself and say, say, he's using these kinds of people. Come on, say, he's using these kinds of people. I, I came across a poem by a British poet named Malcolm Guiatz. Now, I am more of a football guy than a poetry guy, but sometimes poets say it best, and this is a remarkable poem. It's a, a poem, you can hear it as you see, that talks about the meeting that happens between Elizabeth and Mary. It's called The Visitation. Here is a meeting made of hidden joys, of lightnings cloistered in a narrow place, from quiet hearts, the sudden flame of praise, and in the womb, the quickening kick of grace. Two women on the very edge of things, unnoticed and unknown to men of power, but in their flesh, the hidden spirit sings, and in their lives, the buds a blessing flower. And Mary stands with all we call too young, Elizabeth with all called past their prime. They sing today for all the great unsung women who turned eternity to time. Favored of heaven, outcast on the earth, prophets who bring the best in us to birth. How are you participating in this part of the Christmas story? Are you open this morning to God giving you the ability to obey something that he's asked you inside of moments that seem impossible for obedience? I want you to hear this morning that he has God-sized things for you to do, all of you. So are you on the lookout for those things? Are, are you on the lookout how God is moving in the people in your life that might have gone unseen before? Are, are you more influenced by the, the powerful and, and the influencers and, and waiting for them to make a change in the world? Or, or are you embracing God's way of doing business? He, he works through unseen people. He works through poor people. He works through young people and old people. That's who he chooses. He chooses you. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for speaking to us today. Thank you, Lord, that we did not choose you, but you chose us. We did not come looking for you, but you came looking for us. And thank God that you weren't waiting to see how strong we were and how capable we were. You aren't waiting to see how disciplined we were. You aren't waiting to see how wealthy we were, how smart we were. You weren't waiting to see anything other than recognizing that you loved us and wanted to work through us. Lord, thank you for choosing me. Thank you for choosing those that have gathered in here this morning. Thank you, Lord, that's the things that the world calls weak, you use for a strength. The thing that the world calls powerful, Lord, you see us weak. Lord, if we don't get anything else out of this Christmas season, please help us to see that you are a king that is coming to set up a new kingdom, that the gospel of Jesus is not just that when we die, we go to heaven, but the gospel, uh, the good news of Jesus is that there is a king 
and he is setting up a kingdom and that kingdom is one that we can enter into and live in today, right now. So thank you, Lord, that you're calling our name this morning, even right now. I think there's some people here today, it's, it's possible that maybe as we were singing or maybe as we were playing music or maybe as I was speaking, you just have just felt like there's something to, about today and about the, the importance of you taking a step today. You just feel called to make a decision and to, to step out. If that's you today, I just wanna give you that opportunity and in just a second, we're gonna say a prayer and I'd love to have you repeat that prayer after me, but I want you to pray it as your prayer this morning. And in praying this prayer, you're, you're, you're not necessarily even saying, I'm a Christian now and nothing bad's ever gonna happen. All, all, all you're saying is that I want to follow you. I wanna take that next step. I want you to be the leader and the, the ruler of my life. So if that's you today and you'd like to make this the first day of the rest of your life and make a decision to follow Jesus, there's nobody looking around now, right now. Everybody's head is bowed and eyes are closed, but I'd love to see who I'm praying with this this morning. So if that's you and you'd like to say this prayer for the first time or maybe for the first time in a long time, would you just lift your hand where you are? Just let me know who I'm praying with today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thanks again for joining us here at Broad River Church. Our heart is that you would come to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose so that you can make a difference. If you'd like to take a next step in your journey following Jesus, just visit broadriver.church slash next steps. We'll see you next time.